It is party time, Mom. Welcome to another episode of the Jad Brather Show, hanging out in the mothership, which is Studio 22. Of course, the puppet master himself, Mark, is at the helm driving this thing. Puppet master, let me tell you something, buddy. When we did our Glenn Beck special, I sent a picture of myself standing there with Glenn Beck holding the marker board of my conspiracy that I had come up with as Glenn Beck. And my mother sent me a message back after looking at the picture, and she said, I don't know what I'm looking at right now. I see Glenn, but what else is going on here? And Candace, I got to tell you, I said, that's me as Beck with Beck <laughs> solving the world's problems right here. Yes. And so I posted on social media. My mother said, I didn't even recognize my own son. Candice, the queen of the Ethiopians, that's how well we did. Mark, I'm telling you, you keep the microphone there. We got to keep doing that. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, until Glenn Beck fires us, we got to keep doing that. People need to hear the truth, you know. (laughs) (laughs) And then and then Candice came in there and did Candice, you did a phenomenal job on the edit of putting that thing together for social media. And and I'm excited about it. I I I think it's fun. It goes right up to the top. It goes. The conspiracies always go right up to the top. Nobody is safe. No one. We're going to solve it. No one. It's free speech. This is we're doing free speech here. But I want to bring in like Trigger DeBose. I want to bring in uh, the Reverend uh, Swindle. I want to bring in uh, Beverly Wall and uh, Tad Papafopoulos to come in, and they can all do chalkboard talks. Be fun. Sounds good. Over in the Party Foul Pub, hot news, Natalie. Hi, and Party Foul Steve. Look at you guys. Are y'all drinking Black Rifle coffee? Just say yes. Just yes. say yes. Huh. Double hide that cup. <laughs> I kid. Somebody hit me in the chest with a foul ball. I kid. You know, somebody said that that thing was staged. Yeah. Somebody, somebody jumped up on on social media and was trying to say that that guy that took the foul ball or took the home run off the chest and didn't drop his dilly dillies, his uh, Bud Lights. Well, you, that you know was how staged. I feel, feel about how can you stage that? No, because he that in a sea of red, he's the only guy in a gray shirt, and I think they were staged throughout the stadium. <laughs> Just waiting, waiting. For, waiting for a home run ball, probably been at all the games, it, and finally got the shot. And that right there is why you make the big bucks, Steve, is because you're a thinker. That's, That's right. that right there. He should, the guy should probably go play the lottery, too, because the chances of them hitting a home run that was just right there in the front row. Probably and, by the time this one comes out, we'll already have discovered that it was rigged. We'll probably need to pull the chalkboard back out. Yeah. We will. Listen. Yeah, it'd be hard. I'm like, I, you've sat out in the outfield, or like we were at the ball game at the Rangers game a couple of weeks ago, and we were sitting like third row down the first baseline, and it was me, my wife, and this other couple were there, and I, we didn't know the couple, but the line drive came and hooked around and hit the lady sitting next to my wife, just drilled her in the side of the head. Like I'm not gonna take that for the team. Like I'm no. just like not taking it in the chest or anything else. Those balls are hit hard, dude. They are. Anyway, you you want to talk you want to talk about hitting people hard, like hitting people hard. Yeah, former Navy SEAL and sniper <laughs> and author Jack Cars in Studio Twenty Two with us. I'm excited about this, dude. Welcome. I am fired up to be here. Thank you for having me. And what an amazing studio, surrounded by whiskey. Got taxidermy out. This is a beautiful. I feel right at home. I feel like I never left Utah. It's great. Got, got taxidermy up. I love it. We got our little picture. People ask a lot of times about this uh, backdrop right here. That's an actual picture of downtown Fort Worth. 
our guy who took the picture had to go upstairs. There was this uh, club up there, like one of those rental office places or whatever. He had to join it. He had to. They wouldn't let him come up there unless he had bought a membership to come upstairs to take that picture. But that's Makes an sense. actual picture of downtown Fort Worth, looking over Sundance Square, which is kind of cool. And you, so you're from Park. You live. You're living in Park City, Utah. Yep, living in Park City, Utah. But uh, spent the majority of my time in the Navy in San Diego and Coronado. There. Oh, we're going to uh, We're going to tell some tales today. Let's do it. Because you're a tale it. teller. That's what I am. You're now. a tale teller, That's and right. I'm excited you're here. And I'm going to get into this here in a second. Now, I want to. I got to do this because we got we got bills to pay, and and this is one of my favorite things right here because you've heard me talk about it on other shows, and I'm excited to be able to talk to you about this on on this show. The holidays are coming up. You got to be buying some gifts. I got a really cool one. If you love guns, and we all love guns, then I've discovered this thing, fallen in love with it. It's called iTarget Pro. This is the first dry fire training system to combine smartphone technology with the industry's best laser bullet. Yeah, I said it. Laser bullet. Using your smartphone, their proprietary app tracks a laser bullet, which fits your gun. It'll detect exactly where your shots are landing. And iTarget Pro, completely safe. There's no real bullets in the gun. You don't put one in there either. It comes with your caliber-specific laser bullet and target system. I just got a new 9mm in this past week. And right now you get 10% off plus free shipping with offer code CHAD, C-H-A-D. Train risk-free for 30 days. Because here's the deal. The, the dry firing and the, the trigger pull and all that, you got to get used to stuff. Steve, you were, in the, you were at the range yesterday. Yep, sure was. How'd you shoot? I shot great. Did you? Were you, were you shooting the Glock 19? Yep. That is, that's an okay that's gun. Great, my son started reloading 9 mil uh, rounds, so yeah. it's so far he's given me all you, of You'll them. take, dude, even if he wasn't doing it properly, you'd take it if it was free. You're hey, funny. No, he, he did a great job. They all, not a single misfire. <laughs> they all hit what they were going through. They all through. hit. I'm telling you, 30 days, if you don't like it, if you're not completely satisfied, t- send the iTarget Pro back. But before you do, go to the range. You're going to experience the difference. It's going to make you more accurate. You're going to dry fire training. It's going to help you get muscle memory, help with target reaction speed, sight alignment, trigger function, and more. Plus, you'll save a lot of money on ammo. You don't have to go out and get a kid to reload your stuff <laughs> like Steve did. So go to iTargetPro.com. That's the letter I, TargetPro.com. Offer code CHAD. Go there. Get it. Jack Hart, you you've I mean you've shot a lot of guns. One or two. You're yeah. a sniper. Yeah, right Maybe after the show, sniper. I'm going to get this target thing you're talking about here. Exactly. Get my, get my laser bullets going. Get your laser yeah, absolutely. bullets. Get it on. You we you and I were in the um, you and I were in the makeup room, hair and makeup room in here, and you said, "Yeah, you got my makeup on." I said, "Well, you you know, of course you're a sniper. You're used to putting used on to, the, the grease. That's right. A little different. A little yeah. different. Different application. You got to adapt." You wrote a book that I fell in love with, and I, when I first started reading the book, I was like, "This is crazy! What I'm reading right here, like, I, like, what is this author putting this guy through here?" A book called "The Terminal List" about James Reese. Yep. I mean, Reese. Did I get the name right? Yep, you James got it. Reese. Okay, you got it. I, I start throwing names around. I want to do them backwards. Who is a Navy SEAL? Is I don't want to tell all the story because right. people need. If you haven't read the Terminal List, you need to read the Terminal List. Thank you. Great book. This dude goes through hell, and it's a story of vengeance. Yep, exactly, exactly. So I wanted to when I when I I knew I wanted to be an author since I was a little kid. Both yeah. I wanted, knew I wanted to serve my country in uniform, specifically as a SEAL. As soon as I found out what they were in second grade at age seven, right? Uh, but I also knew that I wanted to write fiction. 
one day and the seal side had to come first, but I knew that was going to be my transition. So really back in the eighties, I was reading all these guys like Tom Clancy, David Morrell, Nelson DeMille, uh, JC Pollock, Mark Olden, all these guys that had protagonists with backgrounds that I wanted to have in yeah. real life one yeah. day. And typically back then the protagonists of the eighties, they all had experience in Vietnam as yeah. uh, guys in special army, special forces as seals or CIA guys or, or something like that. And knowing that that was my path, these guys gave me a foundation in the art of storytelling and some of my favorite stories from back then and to this day continue to be stories that have that theme of revenge and mm -hmm. there's just something about that theme that resonates with us because i think in today's day and age if you're slighted by someone you know that you laws keep you in check for the most part and you can't do, do the act on these things these passions these primal instincts that you have because you'll go to jail and <laughs> maybe go to death row or something but you can escape into a movie theater and you can escape into other pages of a book and experience that and get that kind of relief that release through someone else's story so i knew yeah. that this th this theme of revenge was going to be what i explore in my first novel so uh that's i had a little yellow sticky on the side of my computer that said revenge so if any really? sentence, chapter, paragraph didn't directly or indirectly lead back to that theme, then it was gone. It was yeah. uh, I just got rid of it. And I got that from Stephen Pressfield, so I don't want to take credit from that, who wrote Gates of Fire and yeah. Legend of Bagger Vance. It, 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 you're listing off numerous authors. I read a lot of books, Ed, and I, I love the recurring characters. You know, if it's Brad Thor, I love the Scott Harveth character. I've read pretty much everything Nelson DeMille's done. I love his smartassery yep. that he writes into every character you know all of his protagonists kind of have that that witty repertoire so to speak and the comebacks and, and i'm reading i'm reading this book the terminal list it's, it's been it's been a little while since i've read the book and i'm like i'm ready i want to see where this guy goes because when you, you when you leave it hanging at the end it's like this guy's a he's a he's a good guy who's done some bad things or some crazy things and he's not one of those pat on the back heroes at the end right and so now you've written the follow up book and you it, it, i mean we're we're getting into this thing deep now. That's it. That's it. So I think that the reason that you like and people like recurring characters is because you form a relationship yeah. with them. So I was very cognizant of the fact that I wanted my main character to be someone that you want to have a beer with. You want right. to sit down and have a beer with, but right. he can also flip that switch and get the job done because yeah. he has the experience and the training and uh, the time down range where he can use those skills, but then essentially in the first novel, become the terrorist that he's been fighting for the last, in that book, 16 years yeah. at war, become the insurgent and bring that war home to uh, to home soil using the tactics and techniques of the enemy that worked so well against us in Iraq and Afghanistan on home soil yeah. and uh, particularly focused on this conspiracy that he becomes involved with but uh, also targeting people who uh, have been sending young men and women to their deaths now for close to 20 years so there's a few different ways you can you can read the novel but yeah. it's uh it's an escape and it's a fun ride and I'm uh, I'm excited to have the third one coming out in April, pending the DOD uh, review, the Department of Defense gets to take a look at all this stuff. So. No, let's talk about that because because okay, so you got the Terminal List, which of course is the is the inaugural book. That's the one that launches this this character out, James Reese. He's, I mean, you you got him doing all these things. A lot has happened to him. Then you've got uh, True Believer, which is the follow up to that, and then so you've got you literally, and I, that was a question I want to ask you because you come in from a perspective of experience. You know, when, I, when I'm reading a Lee Child book and I'm looking at Jack Reacher and I'm going, this is a guy writing under a pseudonym from Britain about a, a, a major, who, a guy who retired out from the one-tenth MPs in the Army. Well, does this guy really, I mean, he just got this guy out here like the Incredible Hulk just kicking people's ass. You're actually coming in 
I don't call it, uh, to steal a Glenn Beck term, quite honestly, I don't call it fiction, it's faction. Brad Thor's good at that, you're good at that, and I love reading that because when you're reading it, you're learning something. But like you mentioned, the DOD has to approve these things. Right, which is uh, a little bit of a pain mm -hmm. because uh, what I signed in the military for people that have uh, top secret clearances, you sign something that says uh, that uh, anything intended for public release will uh, go to the DOD uh, review board and then they'll go through it and get back to you in a time not to exceed 30 days. Oh, boy. Okay, so the first one, they took 45. I thought that was pretty good for a gigantic government bureaucracy. That's only a couple of weeks late. That's great. So I submitted the second one, and one month passes, then two, then three, then four, then five, mm. then six, and creeping up on seven months, we finally got that thing pushed through. I mean, this is a book that pe most people go through in a day or two, and they took seven months. Yeah. So they're not, uh, not very big readers over there at the Department <laughs> of Defense, obviously. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, a suggestion to them would be to, hey, put some people that like to read into those positions uh, that are reading these novels yeah. for uh, for review and approval so and that's a um, big thing these days because you have more and more folks who are coming out of the military telling not only their experiences in in nonfiction form but the fiction writers that are coming out and tell and kind of hovering around the truth yeah so this for for my or I particular say not the truth but the life experiences of their right experience. so what i did and i didn't intend this as i started but as soon as i put my hands on that keyboard it became very evident that this was going to make the book special uh in that i tapped into the experiences and the emotions behind those experiences mm -hmm. downrange and took those and applied them to a completely fictional narrative so when someone's reading this book and they say wow these emotions seem very real yeah. uh it's because the emotions are real the story is completely made up but the emotions that the protagonist feels are real things that i felt somewhere in iraq afghanistan or somewhere along the line in my 20 years in uniform but uh but the dod oh my goodness so they take out some interesting things so uh they took out one word that has been spoken by people also that had tssci clearances uh, uh commenting on the al-baghdadi raid for the last couple of days mm. and these they're talking about an actual mission and an actual force that went in to do it. Yet in my novel of complete fiction, they blacked that stuff out. So, um, really, but it's uh, it's pretty interesting. Another thing they took out in the second one was a location, and this was a location I'd never been to in uniform, and I'd been there before I went in the military, so I could describe the mountains and the architecture and the marketplace and the people, and I loved the country, and it made sense geographically for the character to go there. And they took out all references to the country, to the architecture, to mm -hmm. the mountains, anything that could give away what the country was. But they forgot the capital city, so they mm -hmm. left the capital city of this country in the novel so i took that out for them knowing their intent so uh, <laughs> just how it goes. i was gonna ask you what the capital city was <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it's taken out but uh but i did appeal at this time and so i won some on appeal and that means when the paperback comes out people will get to see what the government didn't want them to know that's cool yeah i don't want to build it up too much though because it's fairly ridiculous what they took out that's that, yeah which I I, does not surprise I anyone listening i'm sure and that's one of those devil in the details monday and of course the dod's listen to what we got to say i mean you got <laughs> They listen to. They watch the Chad Prather show daily. It's crazy. They're streaming it live. We're being monitored. It's like a whole Edward Snowden operation here. It's crazy. Be careful what you say. I know yeah. you really do. I mean, how are you going to get away from it? I mean, look at look at the the how times have changed. And, and we were talking about this. You have this digital technology that's out there. You can't really hide anything from people anymore. You talk about the Baghdadi raid, the Al Baghdadi raid. You know, now they're they're showing. You know, they're leveling that compound, showing video of that thing, turning it into a parking lot, throwing around a lot of terminology. Do you feel like maybe it's a difference now, speaking of change, between, say, the Obama administration, eight years of that, and even the George W. Bush administration, where maybe things were a little bit, the cards were held a little bit closer to the chest? 
These days under Trump, it kind of feels like it's like, ah, screw it. Let's just throw it all out there. We're going to burn you down anyway. Right. Do you yeah. think there's a change in that? Well, probably, At least the attitude? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I've heard that uh, the president wanted to declassify some of those uh, things or had wanted to start the review process of the yeah. videos and some other things that uh, they could then put out there and show the country what uh, what the soldiers had done, what this uh, this joint unit had done to go in there and, uh, and take care of business. Um, so just times are changing things are evolving we're more connected and so all that's just natural that that comes into into play in the not only just national discourse but through these missions and through politicians wanting to wanting to share more because we're so used to it now we have a whole generation that is used to oversharing yeah. um which is like when i came in to the military there was no facebook there was none of that stuff yet and then it showed up kind of later on but you didn't have one you certainly didn't have an account because of the security implications well now it's different now it's odd if you don't have one of those things when you mm-hmm. come into the military and now you have someone coming in who's spent almost their entire lives oversharing on social media. So now they don't understand why they can't share what they've been doing for the last 18, 19, 20 years, whatever whatever age they are when they come in. Uh, And maybe they're sharing things that might have some sort of a detrimental effect to national security just because they're used to it. It's just normal for them. We have a guy, you know, what in the Navy who takes a picture in a naval submarine and winds up in jail. You got Eddie Gallagher who, you know, and I won't get into that fiasco of everything that went on, but the, you know, all of a sudden these pictures are out there and you it's it, we're we're traveling with a camera with us, a high-tech, high-end camera, high-resolution yeah. camera and video camera in these telephones and oh, yeah. it's, it's hard to because again you're coming in it's a generation that's always known that yep you know and you're you're gonna you want to talk about going into to special missions and black ops and these things i'd kind of rather not be identifiable sure yeah it's a, it's a interesting problem set that i'll be exploring in future novels mm-hmm. in that you, you apply that facial recognition technology uh to all the photos that are out there open source they can be grabbed through certain algorithms and now all of a sudden you're crossing a border under a different name if you're working for an intelligence service and now your facial recognition isn't matching up to your your passport and your backstory yeah. well how do intelligence agencies deal with that so uh, those will be some things that i explore in future novels and That's i'm glad i'm cool. doing it from this side it's a, it was a good 20-year run in the military yeah. and i feel very fortunate to have done done what i did and, and escape relatively unscathed but for that time that i was in that pendulum was over on the side of the team because when you're in that's where it has to be it's on the mission it's on that that's what you owe them and their families you have to be solely focused on that task at hand and uh now the pendulum swung back and it's time to uh to take care of the family a little bit because they've uh <laughs> put up, they put up a lot over the last 20 years and now it's time yeah. to, to move on to this next chapter and well, lucky to be doing dude. this something i love and i wish you nothing but the best success thank you. one of obviously thank you for what you've what you've done for the country but thank you for putting what you're putting out here in terms of these books and telling these stories and putting some flesh on the bone because we have enough folks in here from the vet community who that you know a lot of times you you realize how many people don't get to tell a story and when you can take it and wrap it into a character and say from experiences because i because i kind of feel like you had some characters maybe snatched from the headlines <laughs> there may there. have been a few uh there but for legal reasons we'll say no yeah no, really, really talk it about. was complete fiction yeah. we made all that stuff up there were no politicians to pick exactly so yeah ever. one yeah one in particular might jump out at uh at people as being uh anyway I'll, we'll leave it at that yeah. but uh but yeah, the main character i mean he's definitely not me but it was very helpful to have a, a character with a background similar to mine and that he was a former enlisted navy seal sniper and he becomes an officer at a certain point and then when we meet him in the first novel he's at that stage where it's time 
time for him to get out because he's not going to be he's made a rank where he's not going to be taking guys downrange anymore leading them from the front kicking indoors and that was where i was because uh, if you stay in the military past that 04 rank and you get up to 05 yeah you're a you know you're in charge or whatever but you're really leading from a tactical operations center and the guys are going out and kicking those doors in and tactically mm-hmm. maneuvering on the battlefield so that was going to be my last deployment was the last time I'd, I'd tactically maneuver guys on the battlefield and and have that responsibility and that weight and be doing what i came in to do so uh so that's where my character is james reese when we meet him in the first novel and then that's where everything goes crazy and it yeah. uh, gets thrown into this con- conspiracy and gets to put those skills to use it really goes crazy because I, again i we refer to these different authors and and I I found your book I found your book and this has to be a year ago okay so I well, I remember you tweeted about it I, yeah. I loved it dude. it was awesome it, so and cool. I'm sitting there and I'm like here's this book that uh, it, it shows up as a recommendation because they, they see the stuff that I'm reading right oh, those algorithms they get you love the algorithms yeah, they don't get you? you I mean it's a it's a blessing and a curse but it shows up and I'm like terminal list Jack Carr I was like I like that dude's name. And so I'm reading like just kind of the review of it. I'm like, yeah, this is this is what I want to read. And I start reading the thing, and I'm like, damn, he's beating this dude. Like this guy's going through some stuff, and like he's got no question if anybody ever has the mindset to get vengeance, it's this character. That's it. And so I, I was when I started writing, I was like, okay, all these movies they, they do the trailers, and yeah. they always say in these revenge movies he had nothing left to lose. Yeah. And I'm always like, well, he always has something. Like he could die. Like yeah. he, he has something to lose. So I, I thought, he was how like, do I'm you, all uh, for it. Yeah. I was like, well, I was like, how <laughs> do you make know, him? I know what you did. Yeah. Like how do you make him <laughs> yeah. think that he's already dying? And I got right. that from uh, studying the, uh, the Code of the Samurai Bushido growing up, and mm-hmm. they they would go into battle thinking they were already dead because they thought that made them more effective and efficient warriors. Yeah. So I thought, how do you? get that and apply it to a modern day warrior coming back from Iraq and Afghanistan and who has this modern day skill set and I thought ah the church hearings in the 70s where uh, through Frank Church of, of Idaho had these, these hearings where they uncovered a lot of abuses by the federal government and one of the some of the things they discovered were that uh, they were using humans as test subjects for uh, for mental institutions people in the military uh, hospitals universities and without their consent and um, they so they put a stop to that. And I thought, well, what if enough time has passed since the mid seventies where uh, someone didn't get that that memo and they try to do it again? And so I, I I thought I need this guy to really think that he's dying here. And so that's where the conspiracy came in. So he really has nothing left yeah. to lose. And uh, that's I'm telling you, that's party where we kicked foul, it Steve, off. This is another one of those episodes that proves your underachievement. Yes, it really does. See, we we love to bring in guests that remind Steve of all the things he hasn't achieved in life. <laughs> it's <laughs> all of us, not just and, Steve. And, 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 but I'm we working, like to pick I'm working on, on a Steve. book, though. It's a coloring book, but it's a book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so I went, and I went from reading Captain Crunch boxes to yeah. now I'm up to Mucinix. <laughs> so, hey, you're, yeah. progression. You poor longer be reading cans of Insure. <laughs> That's right. The, uh, it's all about evolution. But yeah. I got to hand it to Steve. He's he read Echo and Ramadi with yeah. Scott oh, nice. Husing, and you know you, you got you're getting to books without pictures. Yeah. It's it good, man. But I want you to start studying this whole Bushido thing, so we can we can really know how to kick ass. All right, right. You gotta go. You gotta. I want you walking into my live shows thinking you're already dead. That's the way, that's the way <laughs> that's, I want it to that's happen. That's usually the way Jack, I go I'm into a bar. It's got to go down. <laughs> What's that? That's the, way, that's the way I go into a bar. Yeah, the way you already drunk. <laughs> That's, that's the best way to do it. That's yeah. true. That's true. We were in a bar, Jack. We were in a bar this past week in where were we? Iowa? No, we were in where were we? Where Indiana. Were, Indiana. We were in Indiana, yeah, yeah. and it was one of these. Uh, uh, 
one of these bedroom communities outside of Indianapolis, right? And, you know, they, we just go into this dive bar, which probably used Chad's to be a like, house. I don't know if we should go in here. I'm like, come on, let's go. I said, like, let's come on, let's go. We, you know, Steve's like, we're fine. And you know how in the Midwest they have a lot of these places? And, they like, it used to be a house. Like, here's the neighborhood, the row of houses. And then, boom, now they turn this one into a bar. And Cleveland's got it like that. You know, Dubuque, Des Moines, places like that. We're in Indiana, outside of Indiana, Wabash. And we go in this place. Because it was the only thing that was left open. In a bar, everybody was packing. Everybody nice. had guns. I mean, open carry. Everybody. And so it got to a point where they're just laying them on the bar. Steve's got pictures of himself yeah. taking, you know, pictures of everybody's guns that are laid out there. No and kidding. I was like, hey, well, I, I never felt safer. Nice. Yeah. It's like, nobody got mad at anyone. Everybody oh, we had a blast. Kept polite. Keeps everybody polite. Yeah. You're the dude in the kilt. Yeah. You just got a friend request on Facebook from the dude in the kilt. Yeah. It's well, awesome. I'm friends with about half the people in that bar now. <laughs> that's who I want on my side. I want those that's guys. It. See, on that's my why side. that's why you're not an underachiever. You know how to network, my that's friend. Right. You know how to network with people who can get things done. And now you know Jack Carr. You that's got the guy and the guy in the kilt. <laughs> you're good. <laughs> like, nobody messes with a guy in a kilt in a bar. No, because he's not wearing underwear. <laughs> and like, so you know, because if he's wearing underwear, he's wearing a dress. That's that's the law of the kilt, right? So listen, that you want to talk about some bushido stuff? This guy walks into the bar. Uh, wearing a kilt, he knew he was. He knew he mm -hmm. was in there, ride or die. That's next yeah. level. That right really there. is mm -hmm. because, like, you get in a fight, you know, you're going to be exposed to some things. That's why <laughs> I got to respect those folks, man. Wear the kilts. Anyway, I love it, dude. Because because the stuff that you've done is you. I mean, you have obviously read a lot. Uh, we had talking about we'd reference Scott Husing. I mean, Husing said, "I read a book when I wrote one. Wow! And I finally read one when I wrote it." And then you have those guys, but then you have guys like yourself, well-read. You you kind of knew where you were going into that. Yep. Is it is it is it a passion to you, or is it a mission to you? Is it all of the above? Do you love doing it? Yeah. So it's a calling, much like the military was a calling. Yeah. So is writing, and I knew those from a very both of them from a very early age. But there's a reason they call it the profession of arms and not the career of arms. Right. Uh, it's a profession, and that's the same way I look at writing. It's a profession, mm -hmm. and so those guys I mentioned earlier, they they were my there was that foundation in storytelling right yeah. there. And about in 1988, so I think I'm a freshman in high school or something. Uh, my mom was a librarian, so we all our lives were surrounded by books. But she introduced me to um, a book called Hero with a Thousand Faces, mm -hmm. and in that. Uh, in that book, it talks about how mythologies across culture really have these similarities. And there's this hero's journey that uh, has certain aspects to it that cultures that have never met each other before in person uh, had had the same hero's journey. So that was in my mind uh, at the forefront as I started writing. You have to have a, re a reluctant hero who goes on a journey. Uh, usually they meet a mentor along the way that gives them some information. Uh, they're tested through some sort of a crucible and then they tr emerge transformed on the other side and typically bring that back from from where they came so that's yeah. that's kind of the the story that resonates with us that's a batman high level star stuff wars right that's there. star I mean, wars that's exactly yep. there's, a lot of they, there's a giant to slay there's a you yep. know, demon to conquer exactly exactly so i thought how do you do that with a, a singular novel that's going to be part of a series so how do you have an overarching journey and also have these ones that also follow that that similar yeah. type of path individually but uh so that was all that was my foundation and then as i got older i started studying because i knew where i was going to go and i started studying terrorism warfare insurgencies because i wanted to make myself the best operator i possibly could so uh, i had time to do that 
growing up. And when I got to the SEAL teams, I continued to do that, both reading the fiction, both reading the, and the nonfiction. And of course, when September 11th happened, then it got real and uh, things changed. The model shifted and I continued to study, but also now to evolve almost real time on the battlefield. So that reading that I did growing up, then studying warfare, terrorism, insurgencies, and then having that experience on the battlefield kind of all came together at the right time and place to start writing these novels as I was yeah. leaving the military. And that wasn't by design. That was just the, the path that I wanted to follow. And I didn't, when I was in, I didn't think about writing. I was just focused on the task at hand. And uh, when, But those last couple of years that I was in, when I wasn't responsible for taking guys downrange anymore, and I was working at the, the Naval Special Warfare Center, BUDS, and uh, putting guys through training now and which is which is interesting because now you're on the other side of it and you're seeing these guys that probably had that same dream that that you had go up there to ring that bell three times put their helmet down and quit and it's just heartbreaking to see that happen that was right outside my office there but it was during that time when i took a breath looked at my family and said okay it's time to transition out of this my next chapter in life is all about about writing and all about taking care of my family so uh that was the the transition there but i've loved reading from a from a very early age and just uh have a passion obviously for it and and love telling these stories and writing these stories and love every bit of the the process that yeah. uh, that goes into putting one of these together and what is it the seals say the only easy day was yesterday that's it yeah, it's the, yeah. that's the sign that's what i'm told anyway yeah so yeah right there on the grinder that's the, yeah that's the deal i mean it and now you you kind of undertaken this this whole new challenge which is a challenge i mean like, because I, I tell people, I say, you know, if 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 Brad Thor kills off Scott Harveth, I'm going to be upset when that happens. It's like this because this dude. Like, and, I think and, you're and, safe. And, and if, you. Yeah, and so what kind of Chad's been working on his book? I'm not, I, dude. Listen, <laughs> mine's easy to write. I just, I, mine's mine's written. They just got to, yeah, whatever. Anyway, how, how do you think gets old? Yeah, how do you think that our current commander in chief is doing? I know you've served other under others right how, how do, would you would this be somebody you'd like to are you on a yeah. yelp rating so <laughs> yelp rating for president <laughs> trump uh do you mind yeah so it's uh it does affect the guys at the tactical level uh and it can affect you in a few different ways so when i first came in the gear was really what we've been using since vietnam and we all thought that we were going to go through buds and we're going to get to our first seal teams and we're going to walk across that quarter deck and they're going to give us these pagers and we'll be out at the bar and the pager will go off and we'll go out and save the princess and come back and then be drinking drinking at the bar again by the next night mm-hmm. and that w- wasn't really how it was they uh you crossed that quarter deck they handed you the mop and said hey new guy um start mopping that floor change that light bulb paint that wall and you did new guy stuff mm-hmm. and this is before september 11th models obviously different now but the gear when we went to get the gear we thought we were going to get all this amazing stuff and you know the golden connex boxes we call it would open but really we had the same stuff that they've had since vietnam and uh the gear was not that great so there was a marked difference as soon as uh george bush became president and even before september 11th and we started getting better gear and the the funding was there and you just it it just started to to flow and then when september 11th happened of course and it might it might have been the same with any president who knows but uh then that golden connex box appeared and now we've been at war for creeping up on 20 years so we've had 20 years of evolution of testing of uh of improvement on gear and well also on tactics and everything else but now we have some really good stuff in the uh, in the system and it came in pretty quick after george bush became president even faster after september 11th happened so um for this for this current president i'm not in i wasn't in when he was elected so i'm not sure what the what the difference was but i know the guys at the tactical level would feel a change in the 
the one of the challenges of being a combat tactical level leader is to keep them focused on the task at hand and not get too distracted by what's going on mm. politically. And when we were leaving Iraq at the end of 2011, it was very confusing. So we had Obama did not come in, but I think everybody else came in to have meetings with senior level Iraqi officials to say, hey, are we staying? Are we going? If we're staying, what are our authorities going to be? Where are we going to be based? Who are we going to be working with? What can we do? What's our mission? Um, and so it was a lot of confusion. And the guys are seeing that because you're so connected. Mm-hmm. So you're getting phone calls from home. You're on the Internet. You're finding you're reading news stories and you're getting all this conflicting information. So the job of a leader there is, hey. You know, that's stuff we can't control. That's that's out of our control. What we can control is here at tonight's mission is working these intelligence packages, yeah. waiting for that trigger, getting ready to go, stay focused, knock this mission out of the park and come back, do our debriefs, get to, if we have a detainee, do some interrogations, get some information and maybe go hit somebody else again. So uh, keeping the guys focused on that, regardless of who's president, is uh, is really the is really key is, is important um and the guys know that the people to the right and left are depending on their actions out there on the battlefield so that's they know to be focused so it's kind of like white noise in the background so mm-hmm. it's there it does it can distract you but stay you gotta stay focused on the on the task at hand so i don't know how it is with with trump out there i'm sure you know guys are looking at tweets and facebook <laughs> posts and instagrams and all that stuff and talking about it and you know but when it comes down to, to kicking in that door and going out there and, and executing the mission um that's the focus i think a lot of people a lot of americans don't realize that when we drove iraq out of kuwait 91 these guys were wearing uniforms from vietnam I mean, they're in the desert looking like trees. <laughs> well, a few of them did. And then we yeah. just got some the chocolate chips yeah. uh, around that time frame, I think. Um, but, yeah, there's been, that was been the some transition evolution over the years. Right there. But, I mean, they, they still I have the chocolate chips. Yeah, yeah those? So. Nice. Yeah. I mean, you did. You were in, what, 91, 94? 90 to 94. 90 to 94. Nice, nice. Chocolate I, chips. That's yeah, it. Yeah. Exactly. I went over in 91. Oh, yeah. Nice. So it was, but I was desert cleanup. <laughs> Here's a mop. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> New guy. Here you go. Oh, yeah. it, was, it was a sightseeing tour of Kuwait. And Here's for me a broom. Anyway. Sweep the sand. That's funny. It doesn't sound too bad, though. No, it wasn't, it wasn't bad at all. That's... I got to see it all. The but... beautiful thing about Pontyfowl, though, is, like, Steve doesn't, like, he doesn't, you know how sometimes guys will just kind of puff up their their experience? Steve's like, nah, I'm chilling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, nah, I grew the hair out. I was, I'm just, I'm just chilling. But but I but you know, God bless you, boo. You got <laughs> I, I spent more time on a ship than most people in the Navy. Well, you have. I'm sure in, I've, in a you got, what, I think thirty-one I, countries I have, under your yeah, belt. So twenty was, years, and I have nine days of sea time. Yeah, see, and I've yeah. got I probably got eighteen months, uh, maybe a little bit more than that of sea time on. LHAs. You've got. I, I tell you what, you've gotten a lot of credit. You've gotten a lot of praise. Brad Thor, of course, we mentioned the Today Show. Chris Pratt, everybody loves Chris Pratt, and of course Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris says you got to read it. You got to read it, and that's the bottom line. If Chuck Norris says you got to read this book, truth, and you got to go host uh, the the season two premiere event for the CBS hit show SEAL Team. I got a friend that's actually on that show. Oh, nice, and, nice. Yeah, uh, they're great guys. A, Everybody cool on show, that show, they, they do a great job of the show. They have 150 veterans mm-hmm. working behind the scenes, and some of them in front of the camera on that show. And I think that's what makes it so realistic. You have guys in the writing room that were SEALs. Mark yeah. Simos is in there writing, leading that writing crew. Uh, and you have people that are that are on the show that are as actors. So usually you have a technical advisor, right? So that technical advisor is here looking. You know, I think they can probably get distracted just like anybody else, especially on a set. And 
But if you are in the show and you know your friends are going to be watching you and then are going to be texting you and calling you and saying, what are you guys doing? <laughs> yeah. Like, how did you stack on the door like that? You got like you know, you have you have a vested interest that's yeah. not just as an observer, but it's as an active participant in that show. So yeah. you're more heavily invested, I think. So to make it as authentic as it possibly exactly. Yeah. Listen, I, yeah. and, and, exactly. and I'm not in military. I come from an army family, but I did not. I pursued higher education and and you know all these things. And so it's funny because, and I got to tell the story again. This summer we participated in making a movie. We were in Atlanta. And I was playing this master sergeant Marine who's retiring out after 20. And they had the consultants on the set and stuff like that. And I was nervous because I'm like, I want to do everything correctly. Like, how would you pick up that bag? How would you, yeah. where are you going to put your gloves in your helmet when you pick that bag up? And so it was nerve wracking for me because it's, I know what you're saying with that. And I was on the CBS lot last summer and you know, they were moving sets in and stuff like that. And I had a meeting with executives and buyers here in CBS. And I was like, they were like, we got to get this meeting. I was like, I want to sit here and watch them do what they're doing here. Cause it was, yeah, I know cool. it's super fun to go out there and I've gotten to get out, go out there and, and check out the set and watch them film and, and all that sort of thing. So, uh, yeah, great group of guys, both in front of and behind the camera. And today, every back in, let's say in the eighties, you could do a show, police show or a military show or whatever it was. And there was no way for people to comment on it and tell you how you'd messed it up. Yeah. Well, today everybody can comment everybody on how you're it. screwing things up and, uh, and publicly, can tell you on the show so there's so i think today there's a uh, uh there's an added incentive to to get it right and they do invest the time energy and effort to do that in most shows particularly in seal team because i think they they take it above and beyond have taken it to the next level to really get it right both storyline wise character development wise families the whole thing they do it right from uh from beginning to end do you feel like novelists and, and even hollywood and, and a lot of the nonfiction attention that has been put on special forces you know, in the different branches of the we, we refer to different guys that we know who have been special forces, different branches, you know, Matt Best in the Army and, you know, different guys. Our friend Chad Robichaud, who was Force Recon Marine and, and you know, Navy SEALs. Do you feel like the right amount of attention is put on that or is are people misguided? And because I, I know that the average person says Navy SEAL, man, that's killing machine right there. He's out there just laying waste. I mean, this guy. And yes, I, I know that there are those elements in the world. But do you think it's the right amount of attention or the right kind of attention that comes to that? You know, it's tough because it is what it is. We are where we are in the world yeah. and people are interested in those sorts of things. And back in the 80s, I read everything I possibly could, nonfiction, on SEALs, on Army Special Forces, on Army Rangers, on Marine Recon, anything I could possibly find on mm -hmm. these guys that was nonfiction to better prepare myself for where I was going and just be more educated. And you could read all that stuff back in the early 80s in about an hour. Yeah. By the end of the 80s, maybe three hours, four hours, but you could pretty much get through it all. Uh, there no internet today you just type in u.s navy seal u.s army special forces whatever and an unending supply of information yeah. comes up on that but along with that more books nonfiction are out there. you couldn't even read if you take the internet out of it you can't even read all the books that are out there now nonfiction right. on special operations and and current event books on that have a special operations component to it um, that someone else is writing about so you can't read all that stuff it's just there's so much so you have to really pick and choose and there's going to be some books that are good some that are not so good uh, and everything in between and what I, how I look at the ones that people write from their perspective 
uh, I look at it as coming from their perspective. It's not a, an end-all, be-all of everything incorporated in this either mission or whatever it is, whatever they're talking about, but it's this person's perspective. And now that's a first-person account that's going to be used later as one of many first-person accounts, many interviews when historians go back and, uh, and write a history that's mm-hmm. more holistic in the approach. So uh, I also think today that kids need heroes. And I'd much rather have my kids reading about a special forces guy, a SEAL, a Marine recon guy uh, that's talking about his experience in Iraq or Afghanistan um, rather than reading, let's say, a biography of the Kardashians or something. Yeah, Nothing yeah. against the Kardashians. I'm but uh, I think kids need no heroes. No offense, Natalie. No offense. Just, I, I mean, <laughs> my latest hairstyle, but what ifs? So I think, that's, so I think they, they're beneficial. So you get to that kid in fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, ninth grade that's, uh, that's looking for some guidance. Maybe they don't have it at home. Maybe they do, and they're just supplementing it. But uh, to be able to choose from uh, a, a bunch of books out there that have reviews on them now that mm-hmm. uh, you can do a little research on to find out, hey, this one really speaks to me for some reason. Yeah. Like, this guy grew up in Alaska. I always loved Alaska. Or so I'm, I'm going to go with this one. I'm going to read this one first. Uh, or, oh, this one over here is about a Marine guy. I have a, someone in my family. I think my parents told me that I had a Marine that was in World War II somewhere. I'm going to go with this one. I'm going to read this. So gets kids reading, gets them involved, mm-hmm. and uh, maybe sets them on a path and sets their future course. Yeah. So I think that there are, we, we tend to concentrate, especially in the military, on the negative effects that these novels have. But uh, really, there are a lot of positives to them yeah. as well. And that's, that's the thing. For me, it gets addictive. I get, I get caught up in the characters. I get caught up in the story. And I want, I'm, like, I'm, ready, I'm ready to get the next one. So I never stop. I'm right. always to the next, always to the next. And I have not read True Believer yet, which is the number two on this. Uh, I've read um, uh, Terminal List. And you talk about picking and choosing and all the stuff that's out there because there is a lot of stuff. I'm telling you, get the Terminal List. Get into it because then you're going to be a dick and you're going to be ready to go the next one. Thank you. And the third book's coming out. You hope. Yeah, we hope. The DOD can, uh, yeah, speed up their their reading. Uh, Maybe I should send them an audio book. I was going to say you should send book on tape. I know. Yeah. (laughs) Unfortunately, we can't get to that stage until they do the review. (laughs) But uh, that might help. That might help get them there. But yeah, this third one is one that I've wanted to write since the sixth grade. Mm -hmm. So sixth grade, we read uh, The Most Dangerous Game by Richard Connell, which is a short story written in 1924. And I knew that one day I would write a novel that uh, used that as the inspiration. And it didn't make sense coming out of the gate to to start with that (laughs) one. One, but it made sense to do it at this stage in the series. So uh, I'm super fired up for it. Um, and it's one of the ideas I had. I wrote down about six or seven different ideas as I was starting, put them all on a table, did one page executive summaries. And then I chose the one that I thought was going to be the hardest hitting, the most impactful, the most visceral right out of the gate. And that was the, the terminal list with the theme yeah. of revenge. And with, uh, with True Believer, that theme was redemption. And I talk about it in terms of violent redemption, someone needing to learn how to live again, finding that next mission in life, that next purpose in life, because a lot of veterans have a hard time with that. And I was very fortunate in that I knew what I wanted to do. My next mission was essentially handed to me. I, I, I didn't have to search for it. But most guys do. They have to search and they get on the outside and they try to replicate what they had in special operations in particular. Yeah. Uh, and that's tough to do. That's almost impossible to do on the outside. Um, so I recognized that before I made that transition, but I tapped into those feelings of transition for that second novel because the, mm-hmm. the, everyone goes through transitions in life, no matter what it is, whether it's a job, whether it's uh, relationship wise, whatever, you're going to go through transition and then you're going to face adversity. Everybody faces some sort of adversity in life. So uh, this is a continuation of that journey with the violent redemption as its theme. And then for this third one called Savage Son, I'm uh, ex- exploring the dark side of man through that hunted versus hunter relationship. Right on. Somebody asked me uh, the other day, I was doing a magazine interview and they were like, uh, who's, who's 
what was what was the question? Who's the most famous person you've met in the last three years? Or and I said, well, I met a lot of celebrities. I said, but to me, the people that matter, people like yourself, people like you know these guys that we've listed off who go out there and have done the thing that's necessary to maintain a state of liberty in this republic and and served and sacrificed and in many cases given all. So that's been the biggest blessing to me. And so to be able to memorialize and to honor and to tell those stories in a way that is not only entertaining, but but truthful and, and honest and heartfelt. I appreciate what you're doing with that. Well, it's, I appreciate that. And actually, that's one of the stuff. things that got me through buds. Well, one of the things was that, so SEAL training, and one of the things was I wanted to do it for so long. I told all my friends since I was seven years old, this is what I was going to do so I could not show my face at home uh, having quit, and yeah. uh, would, I couldn't do it. Yeah. So, uh, But the other thing that really got me through was thinking about those everyone that from the inception of this country up until today mm-hmm. had given me the option to be there on that beach, given me the freedom to choose my path, to be there on that beach in sunny Southern California, doing push-ups, doing sit-ups, doing runs, doing swims. Uh, and then I also thought of those people that had laid it all down, storming the beaches in Normandy, mm-hmm. Iwo Jima. And I thought, you know what? This swim that I have to do, yeah, I'm a little chilly here on the beach and people are quitting in droves here during Hell Week, but uh, <laughs> this is nothing compared to what I mean, those just, people went through. just 25 degrees. <laughs> this is nothing 23-mile swim. You know? Yeah, but it was really nothing compared to what those people sacrificed to give yeah. me the freedom to do that yeah. and follow that path. So, you know, I, once I thought about it in those terms, I said, ah, this really isn't that bad. So I think those two things really helped get me through. I feel like that's the mentality that's missing. Yeah. in a lot of people today. No, absolutely. Putting your life in perspective. Um, yeah, and we're so we're so it's easy for us today to give up some of these freedoms, or to even fight to give up some of these freedoms. In many cases today, that people died, that they pledged their their lives, their sacred honor for, from the inception of this country to today, to give us those and. So it just, that's what I expect people to do, or I'd hope people do, is not make decisions based on, what is it, 220 characters in a tweet, mm-hmm. and just make their decision based off mm-hmm. that, but to study, to study their history, to think about it, and then to put things in perspective and make an informed decision rather than just retweeting something or, or yeah, you need to put a little more time into something than the 220 characters allowed in a tweet, especially when you're giving up a right that uh, people died to give you. So, um, yeah, and kind of on on par with that, most each and every night when um, we're very fortunate to live in the the Mm -hmm. little ski town in in Utah now, raising our kids up there. But when that sun sets in uh, in Park City, there's not a day that I don't think of where it's coming up in the world. And it's coming up in places like Iraq and Afghanistan, which means that uh, men and women are out there returning to base, having just uh, hit a target. Maybe they're bringing a detainee back. And they're coming back to base in helicopters and Toyota Hiluxes and Humvees uh, with indigenous forces, maybe. And they're turning that person over, their detainee over to get interrogated. And they're topping off their magazines and their weapons. They're putting new batteries in their night vision, in their IR lasers, in their flashlights. And they're getting ready to go out and do it all again, either that night or the next night, so that we can be here uh, enjoying these freedoms that we have. So uh, it's not a day that goes by that I don't think about that. I love it. Jack Carr, everybody. Not only is he handsome, he's a smart man. He's a smart man. I love it, dude. <laughs> well, thank you so much That's for having me on. It's awesome man. to be here. Go get the books. Get the books. Get the books. And then pray that the DOD hurries up and gets the thing done so we can get the third one out. Savage Son. Listen, go get it. True Believer is the book that's out right now. Of course, you can go. you got to get caught up on the story. If you haven't read it already, you have got to get Terminal List. Amazing stuff. Thanks for coming on, man. Thank you for having me. Let's uh, do it again soon. Let's do it. Keep have writing the books, and I guarantee you we will. <laughs> All right. I'm in. No question about it. Hot news, Natalie, Party Foul, Steve, Candice, the queen of the Ethiopians. We have names around here.
jagged. Mm-hmm. I like we're it. We're not just crazy. We're crazy. I love it. You know? And the Puppet Master, Mark, driving this thing. Puppet Master, you're hardcore. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I love it. Your website, is it jackcar.com? It's officialjackcar. Official yep. Jackcar. Yep. And that's so, two R's on the car, by the that's way. That's it. And if people want a little more info on the weapons, things that I used overseas, there's mm-hmm. uh, blog posts on that and try to update that fairly regularly. There are a couple of surprises coming in November, December on there, so stay tuned. And then on the social channels, as they say, I am Jack Carr USA, and uh, I am fairly active on Instagram and Twitter, and the Facebook, I think, just reposts, because three was too much. I yeah. had to choose. So Instagram and Twitter are the, the two. Yeah, Jack Carr USA, but uh, there is a Facebook one, but that just reposts. So if I don't get back to you on Facebook, then that's why. So, that's But I try to get back to everybody on uh, on Instagram and Twitter, and if I missed you, it just means that it's I didn't see it, or I yeah. I don't understand how how things are popping up and disappearing on those those I platforms, but it's uh it's uh it's a way for me to say thank you to everybody because I really appreciate uh, everyone's support and uh, that this these books are resonating with people. So yep, um, I love it. Get the books, get the books. I'm telling you, you'll have a blast. You will have a blast. Jack Carr, thanks for coming on, buddy. Thanks for having me. Hey, you can also find me at watchchad.com. Find me out on tour. We're having a good time. And uh, what are you talking about? Hot news. We're looking at his diver card picture. <laughs> that was a, it's a throwback we went Thursday to his today. Instagram, and we started following you. Oh, Thank gosh, you. Follow back. Um, oh, I'm already following you. Oh, look at that. Thank you. Hey. You're awesome. But it's like you're a stalker it, and didn't know it. <laughs> that yeah, that was 1997. They gave us these dive cards back then. I never had to show it anywhere the rest of the time in the military. So I don't know why they gave it to us. It's kind of like just a little memento now. But um, yeah, that's uh, that's the dive card from uh, second phase in buds. Nice. So nice. yeah, I haven't changed a bit, have I? <laughs> shake the beard I, i've known some guys who've gone through and i know some guys who have rung the bell and i'm telling you what you said earlier is and, and some guys it was kind of out of their control i mean they got sick and it was just a, one of those things and, yep. you know that happens it, it, anyway, anyway that happened at me at I, chow hall once i'm kind of makes me hungry i want mcdonald's yeah. now <laughs> you know <laughs> i don't want to go swimming I don't want to do anything that exerts anything in, in my Wise man. body. No, yeah, so. Too smart for that. Anyway, hey, go to where podcasts are offered. Leave us a review. We only accept five-star reviews because that's what we're worth, and that's all we do. And uh, you can leave us a pretty good – you know, talk talk to us a little bit. Send us some messages. Send all hate mail to Steve at watchchad.com. It all goes it. to the Party Foul. Go to Party Foul Nation. Check out all the stuff Steve's got going on. It's fun. You need to join the nation. And, of course, you can check out Steve on, every Friday on the Matlock Show with Beer for Brunch. Yes. Uh, you guys just sit Sounds around delicious. Drunk we and sit talking, around and drink you? beer. It's great. Yeah. All right, we're out of here from Studio 22. I love y'all. God bless. We'll talk to you next time. Bye.